Straight Talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. You're listening to the Tamar Yona Show here at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. I'm Tamar Yona. Today, Sunday, we are broadcasting live. If you're listening between 4 to 5 p.m. Holy Time, that means that we are live here. If you're listening to this at any other time, it's because this show is on a replay. You can call into the show if you're listening live on Sunday, the 11th of September. We're going to talk about that in one second. And our numbers are on the top of our homepage at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. Our numbers are on the top of the uh, page there. You can call in and weigh in on the subject that we are talking about. Or if you have a question on what we're talking about, you can call in as well. All right. Today's title is a quote, not from me from Nikita Khrushchev, a former head of the Soviet Union. Your children's children will live under communism. And here's the quote. Your children's children will live under communism. You Americans are so gullible. No, you won't accept communism outright, but we'll keep feeding you small doses of socialism until you finally wake up and find you already have communism. We won't have to fight you. We'll so weaken your economy until you'll fall like an overripe fruit into our hands. Unquote. All right. So September 11th, the United States of America, the country that symbolizes freedom and the pursuit of happiness and Western culture and values attacked on September 11th. So uh, that's about two decades ago. And that apparently seems like it's not the biggest enemy right now, which was uh, Islam, but it looks like it is the communists, the left. So we're going to get our uh, a, a take a take on that from our guest, Dr. Mordechai Ben Menachem. He's a researcher, former lecturer at Ben Gurion University, and has authored over eighty books and four hundred research papers on science, history, and more. He comments on Middle East and world issues. Welcome to the show, Dr. Mordechai Ben Menachem. Thank you. All right, so here we have someone who seemed to have been a political prophet in the sense where he saw where communism was going. And when we saw the Iron Curtain fall and we saw Russia open up and the Soviet Union fall apart, and we thought that, okay, that's in the past, but apparently not because we see that the White House seems to be run by people who are more leaning to that persuasion rather than the free America and the great, uh, keep America great again, right? The make America great again. What do you have to say? Well, you know, let's sort of examine what he actually said. I mean, you, you, you read out the quote. Um, let, let's, let's examine some of, the, um, some of the issues that that involves. You know, was he right or was he wrong? Well, let's begin with this. The average age of American farmers today is over 60. 50% of the world's calorific content 
is dependent on natural gas, which the Biden administration is attempting to shut down around the world. So who grows your food in five years? Remember, if you don't invest today in natural gas production, in fossil fuel production, you will not have production in five years. That's why I came up with that number, five. So doesn't that there's no investment today in, 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 in new sources of natural gas, then the farmers will have died out because there are no young farmers today in America. As I said, the, the average age is already over 60. There's no fertilizer. There's no natural gas to make fertilizer from. Well, okay, let's go on from there. I, I just want to insert here that this reminds us of the old, you know, if you watched Jiminy Cricket, even it was a Walt Disney cartoon. Oh, the world owes me a living, right? It was the grasshopper who was laughing, if I remember. So I saw this when I was a little, little girl, laughing at the ants that were working so hard, preparing for the winter. And then the winter came, he didn't prepare and, and he went hungry. So what you're saying is such a basic lesson. I hope I got that story right because it's so long ago, but that it's, it's such a basic lesson. Well, I have no, 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 no knowledge of this, this cricket thing. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. But uh, well, it must have been a Disney thing or something. It which, was, no, yes. Which Disney nauseated me even when I was a child. Um, so I really can't comment on that. Sorry. Um, the Bidenites have lauded their success at lowering the price of oil. How did they do that? How did they lower the price of oil? Was it perhaps because they, 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 they released a million barrels of oil per day from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve? Well, let's examine that a little bit. The United States today imports, imports, did I emphasize that word strongly enough? Imports massive amounts of Russian oil. That is oil that comes from Russia that they are involved in sanctioning, right? But they do it because they buy it from India. In other words, Russia sells its oil and gas to India. India sells its surplus to the United States. Russia sells oil and gas to China. China exports the, the surplus to Europe. The whole world is fed by hypocrisy. Russia is okay. now China's fourth largest energy supplier. Supplier. Saudi Arabia, of course, is the largest. I won't go into all the details. Of that. That's not significant. Um, many analysts, and I've quoted previously uh, 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 in, the, in the beginning of the war from uh, Peter Zion, who claimed that uh, Russia's oil structure would totally clog up. As soon as the sanctions began, within within several months, they would clog up because then everything would back up and there would be nowhere for them to go. Well, he was totally wrong. They're making more money today than ever have before. Russia's Russian economy is flourishing today more than it ever has in the past, ever. They've made over a trillion dollars in profit since the war began. That's the T. Before 2019, the U.S. government's share of the U.S. economy was 22%. In 2022, the U.S. government's share of the economy is more than 30%. 
Government, by definition, is not productive. More government equals a weaker economy. That's simply arithmetic. You don't have to be an economist to understand that. If, you're, if the portion of your economy devoted to non-productive activity is larger, then your economy is less productive. So in that sense, Khrushchev was obviously correct. Another quote, Robert Kiyosaki, uh, a gentleman who I would strongly uh, suggest that people should look him up, a former uh, uh, um, uh, Marine pilot in, in, in Vietnam, uh, uh, a fighter pilot, uh, uh, an extraordinarily impressive gentleman. He recently published a book called The Capitalist Manifesto. The uh, intrigue behind the name is, is intentional. The basic uh, bottom line of that book, put yourself on the gold standard. And in the conversation last week with Daniela Camoni, again, someone I've quoted many times, Daniela Camoni lives in New York City, where she said, stabbings are routine now. Routine. Stabbing people is something that's considered routine. In other words, nobody gets excited by stabbings anymore. That's sort of how the American culture is defining itself now. More and more government, less and less productivity. The people who are actually productive are growing increasingly old. Stabbings are routine. More people are dying this year from drugs this year alone than died in Vietnam and Korea together. Hmm. So is Khrushchev right or wrong? What, what do you say? Well, the trend is certainly looks like it's le- leaning that way. And I, again, I'm, I'm going to repeat again what I've said several times during different shows is that we have a, a younger generation today that was raised to hate themselves, to hate their country, to feel guilty that they're white or privileged or uh, American. And you can't, I mean, I would imagine a country could not survive when you have the next generation that's going to be taking over leadership jobs and positions that think like that, you're, you're not going to have a country. Well, it's not just a question of you imagining. You're imagining correctly, of course. But there are precedents for that. We know that that kind of thing happens, and that's what, that's what causes empires to collapse. This is history. This is not, again, this is not something that is in any way shocking or out of the ordinary or even in, in any way a surprise. I mean, we, we know that this is what happens. Empires generally collapse from within. Very rarely are major world empires conquered. They crumble. They do not, they implode. They do not, it's very rare in history that, that a major empire collapsed because of somebody else coming along who was stronger. Yeah, there's a lot of things that are happening that we think are new and they're not new. They've happened repeatedly in history and we just don't know our history so uh, and when you don't know your history you're doomed to repeat it they say well that's one of the reasons why i admire so strongly uh, ray dalio another gentleman who's uh, 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 done done amazing work this is a person that um uh, uh, um uh, made himself very very rich and he did it by studying history 
So it's something that's worth, worth thinking about. All right, hang on right there. We're going to go for a break. We're going to be right back, everybody. We are back here at the Tamar Yona Show on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com, and our guest is Dr. Mordechai Ben Menachem. In just a moment, we're going, to talk, we're going to talk about the carcass of dead policies. But before that, I want to just add something that we were just talking about in the last segment about not learning from history and being duped and repeating things because we don't know our history. My, um, I, I, I received a very interesting story here. Uh, on uh, my WhatsApp. I'm going to read it out to you. I wish you could see the picture I'm, I'm, I am showing, but imagine a riverbed that is almost dry. It maybe is uh, up to your the middle of your shin. And all of the huge boulders that are in that riverbed, the tops and perhaps even most of the boulder is showing because the water has receded so due to a drought. Now we're being told today that there's global warming and that we're going to head in for the, a disaster, the end of mankind, unless we do something to save the earth. I don't know how donating money is going to save the earth, but whatever, that they want, they want to tax us uh, more about that. But listen to this. Uh, the unprecedented drought in Europe has once again made visible the, quote, hunger stones in some Czech and German rivers, Czechoslovakia and German rivers. Now, listen, it's called the hunger stone. Previously, these very stones were used to indicate desperately low water levels in rivers, which foreshadowed famine. In the picture, you can see a stone from 1616. That's four, over 400 years ago, my friends, which came out due to a drought on the... Now, you have to help me with this. Is this the Elbe River, E-L-B-E? Yes. Okay. On it is written, quote, If you see me, weep. And there are other dates next to it. August 11th, 1921, and June 20th, 1934. And there are also the years 1930 and 1944. There had never been anything like this before, and yet here it is again. So they're showing you that all these people are saying that it's going to be the end of the world because of global warming, etc. Here we have shown in history that levels have gone to this before and it's very interesting to see these things carved in on the rock it's very beautiful actually because people used to have such beautiful handwriting in the you know before i guess the 1940s or something <laughs> my father had excellent my father had handwriting mordechai that if you looked at it it looked like a typewriter wrote it it was so beautiful his handwriting um in any case, you see this rock and you see that the water level is extremely low. Maybe this one is probably maybe up to your a, a little above your ankle and you see all of these dates there. And then, then you see that the following years it filled up again and that was the end of it. So I was just interested in your take about this because, again, when we don't know history, 
this is where we get into trouble. Well, first of all, when we don't know language, is where we get into trouble. The the jerk who wrote this unprecedented and then gives four or five dates for precedence shows that at the very least the person who wrote this doesn't know what the word unprecedented means. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Maybe there's like a expiration date, like if it hasn't been in the last 20 years, it's unprecedented. Okay, <laughs> go ahead. Oh, I love people that are so stupid that they don't even know what they're talking about. Anyway, um, yeah, she did send that to me, by the way, and I did, I did see that, and I sort of chuckled oh, at the time, but okay. okay. Um, you're right. Uh, the, the idea that this has never happened before, but it has happened uh, hundreds of times in the past is really ridiculous. Um, uh, the idea that... Um, that uh, 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 we are so smart today that we can not only know what is the ideal temperature for the planet, but we can control it as well, is ridiculous. And there are all other all, all dimensions of, of absurdities here that we, can, that we can go on and on and on with, but we don't really want to do that. <laughs> um, uh, yes, is the planet warming? Yes, obviously the planet is warming. We all know that. In 1850, the planet exited what was called the Little Ice Age, and it has been warming ever since. And it had not had it not been warming ever since, we'd be in significant trouble right now. Um, so yes, it is warming. Thank God, it's doing a great job of warming. The, war, the planet is taking care of us very well. Remember, as the planet warms, the plants like that. If you want to feed people, you need the planet to be warmer. Yet, on the other hand, immediate uh, the immediate consequences is that, and we discuss this during different shows, is that there could be shortages because the transport, when it used to be on the rivers and in the intercontinental shipping, that's come to a standstill in certain places in Europe, and that's that's going to make prices higher because it's going to be more expensive to ship, etc. Okay, wait a minute. First of all, we're mixing things up here. Um, uh, you're, you're correct in what you're saying, but are we talking about global or are we talking about Europe? Europe. Okay, so, I'm talking about Europe. All right. It, the, the previous, the, pre, the subject of the previous statement was global warming, not European right, warming. Right. This is true. Yes. So Europe is the smallest con continent that we have here, and if Europe is warming up and having problems with the water, then it might be about time for them to take care of their resources rather than stealing from other places. How about that for, a, for an original idea? How about so they do what Israel's doing? Years, they've had this, this habit of going out with their armies and taking resources from others. And, and, and I want to add here that they should do what Israel's doing. Israel it was a desert. The Jewish people came back. We made it into a much more luscious place where we're exporting fruits and vegetables now. We turned the desert to green. And we are now able to recycle, or not recycle, but purify salt water from the sea. And we're able well, first to... Of all, first of all, we recycle. You, were, you, were not, you, you did not make a mistake. We recycle more than 80% of our used water. The country that comes next to us in terms of recycling is Spain. They recycle 8% of their water. And then number two in line. So you're right. Yes, we recycle and we also desalinate. Desalinate. That's the word I was looking for. Yes. 80% of, of our water usage today is from desalination. So anybody can do that. It's not a big deal. The technology exists. Yes, you, you may have to pay the Jews for the technology since we invented it. Okay. 
I know that that hurts the Europeans to even think about actually being honest for, for a change. But so that's life. If you want to stay alive, sometimes you have to acknowledge that there are others in the world other than yourselves. Okay, I see how much you love the Europeans. Oh, I despise them totally. <laughs> well, you know, you sh I, I think we should separate. I mean, people, whatever. I, I, I don't like to say I despise people, but there well, are certain people, countries that the, we the, have the to be careful culture, about. And... Not the people. Okay, we, good. We can admire a thing like, for instance, just as an example, uh, uh, the Magna Carta or, or, or habeas corpus and say that these are marvelous uh, things that happened in, 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 in the culture of the world. And at the same time, acknowledge that the British people are not the nicest guys in the, on, on the planet. You know, they're not, these, these two things are separate issues, and that's, that's okay. You can talk about the British building railways in India and making India a, 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 a more prosperous place, and that's okay. But they also killed 10 million Indians in building the railroads. So you have to have a balanced view of things. You, you say, yes, they did something which was, in the final analysis, something positive. But in the process of doing it, they did some pretty horrible things. Okay, so uh, our, let's go to our next topic. Okay. <laughs> and by the way, I want to say hi to everybody who's listening and from all over the world. Let me just go down through some of the countries here. United States, of course, United Kingdom, Israel, Canada, Brazil, Argentina, the Netherlands, Australia, Germany, etc., etc. Nice to see you all here. Uh, Iran as well. That's interesting. And... Uh, all right, so we wanted to talk about the carcass of dead policies. Pray tell, what does that mean? Well, let's start with a quote. Uh, Lord Salisbury stated, the commonest error in politics is sticking to the carcass of dead policies. So let's see what that means to us today. Uh, George Keenan, who was probably America's foremost diplomat in all American history, or at very least in 20th century American history, I would claim it ever, but if you want to live it in the 20th century, that's, that's also fine. He was a brilliant diplomat. He was the inventor, for instance, of concepts of Cold War and containment and a lot of other things, and et cetera, et cetera. We won't go into won't go, won't go that. On the 5th of February 1997, he wrote an article in the New York Times. Um, and I'm, quote, uh, I'm quoting from it. Expanding NATO would be the most fateful error of American policy in the entire post-Cold War era. Such a decision may be expected to inflame the nationalist, anti-Western, and militaristic tendencies in Russian opinion to have an adverse effect on the development of Russian democracy, to restore the atmosphere of the Cold War to East-West relations, and to repel Russian foreign policy in directions decidedly not to our liking. liking end quote. Again, like the quote from Nikita Khrushchev, this was a brilliant statement. Whether you care for it, whether you like it or you don't like it, you cannot not recognize the 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 the, the brilliance of of the of, of having stated this in nineteen ninety seven before the issue of NATO expansion was even really being uh, um, uh, 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 promoted actively. So let's look at some of the things that he was actually talking about, though we're talking about in terms of he was sort of prophetic. And let's look at some things that have actually happened. We, we okay, to I'm going to have to hold you there, though, because we are going to a break. The music will be on oh. any second. Okay. And uh, when we 
cover this topic. Afterwards, we're, we're going to be talking about, with a, pull, a full perspective of the year, the coming year, the biggest issue is not even energy. It is food. So we have to prepare for that as well. We'll be right back, everybody. All right, we are back here at the Tamar Yona Show on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. And Dr. Mordechai Ben-Menachem was going to give us a more deeper explanation of the carcass of dead policies. Go for it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, look, we need to recover the capacity to see the national and international as necessary complements. We're we're, we're being too parochial and looking at these things separately. They, they, They are not really separate anymore. Uh, at, at a long time ago, they could have been separated. They're, they're not today. We need to look at fiscal instruments for economic recovery rather than the current total reliance on banks and central banks. Let me make that, that statement even clearer. Almost all Western banks today are undercapitalized and over leveraged. What does that mean on a practical terms? If 1%, one, 1% of clients begin to withdraw their cash from the banks, it'll cause a run on the banks. So now you, every individual needs to think about that number, 1%, and then make a decision, a conscious decision. Do you want to be part of it, or do you want to precede it? I've been saying for many months now, if you're storing your capital in the banks, you need to be much more cautious. According to your opinion, and everyone's responsible for their own actions and decisions. Go ahead. Uh, I'm going to claim that the United States dollar is, of course, still currency, but it is no longer money. And we need to be able to differentiate between the two. Please, please do, because I'm confused now. Sorry? I said, please do, because I'm confused now. Okay. Uh, uh, We're we're familiar with with the concept of fiat currency. Fiat currency is not necessarily money. Fiat currency is something that can be used for exchange, but money is something that also stores value. The United States dollar no longer stores value reliably. So the world is pivoting more and more away from U.S. dollar hegemony. What was the basis of the dollar hegemony? It was basically in two parts. The first part was the Bretton Woods Agreement, which uh, 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 after, the, after uh, World War II, the United States had basically the only military left on the planet. It controlled an uh, 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 enormous proportion of world resources. It was the only real power on the planet. And it said, okay, guys, from now on, we're going to basically call the shots in terms of economics. And we'll do that by using our Navy to allow anyone who agrees with us and who works with us free trade and free uh, navigation of, of, the world's, of the world's oceans. And, and don't misunderstand me. That was a fantastic thing that the, that the United States did. It was a tremendous service to humanity. Do not misunderstand and, and infer from my statement that that was something negative. 
Absolutely not. It was a tremendous service to humanity. The second stage of the of U.S. dollar hegemony was when they made an agreement between the United States government and the government of Saudi Arabia that all petroleum exports around the world would be traded only in dollars, only in U.S. dollars. Both of those pillars are now breaking up. Right. And we need to be aware of that. We need to be conscious of that. Capricious and spendthrift governments are not just caving the Bretton Woods model, but forcing people to awaken to the caving of that model. China is now using all of Tibet as a massive DNA laboratory. In other words, they are gathering DNA information about all the Tibetans in order to experiment them for genetic warfare. That's what we now know. We don't, this is not a surmise. We know this for a fact, even though the mainstream media will not publicize this. We know for a fact that the coronavirus was something that escaped from a Chinese military laboratory. While it was funded by the U.S. government, it was a military uh, uh, laboratory. It still is a military laboratory. Um so they are working actively on genetic warfare. I've been talking about that now since 2004, if anybody's been following what I've been saying. They're now gathering information in, in, in Tibet, which is a, a, a relatively close society, and they can control who does what and how they do things to the, to the, to the Tibetans. Um, anyone who's not aware of the horrors of what China is doing in Tibet and to the Uyghurs as well, of course, and other and other populations is just not aware of what's going on in the world today. Um, so there's a there's a a, a, a massive uh, uh, confluence here between the idea of the the uh, 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 um, abandonment of the U.S. dollar as the basic world currency, the basic reserve currency, and China's actions towards genetic warfare. China is, uh, 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 every OPEC country, we need to be aware of this. I'm moving, moving on to the next stage now. Every OPEC country, the 13 countries that are members in OPEC, are now signed up as part of the Belt and Road Initiative, the Chinese Belt and Road Initiative, which is the largest infrastructure project in human history. This is not chance. This is not the, the Chinese are not doing this just to be to be nice. They per- perceive this as being the next stage in their uh, 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 target of world hegemony in, in terms of economics of the world. Remember, the Chinese never um, uh, 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 never desired or never claimed to desire hegemony in the political sense of the world, but they do desire, and they've. And, and they, they, they published it openly that, it is, that they want economic hegemony of the world. They want to control the world resources. And by the way, not just the world, but I'll get onto that if we have time later on. Yeah. So there's a clear issue here of the whole is equal to more than the sum of the parts. 80 to 90% of the world's population is now consciously forming an alliance to move away from the U.S. dollar. Note that number, 80 to 90%. Remember, 
China and India together are more than a third of the, pop of the world population. If you add into that the rest of the BRICS and OPEC and etc., you start to see these numbers add up. I hear you, and it's not, you know, that's of course not good for the American dollar, it would seem. However, at the same time, I understand the world is moving towards digital currency. And I imagine that, that digital currency may be international, not be connected to one country or another. What do you think? I think your phraseology is correct, but it's insufficient. In other words, right now, China and Russia, I said right now, last week, China and Russia have now begun trade between them without the dollar. That includes energy trade. So when China and Russia do business, and this is trillions of dollars, they're doing it in yuan and in rubles. How are they doing it? What is the mechanism that they're using? A digital yuan, mm. which is based upon both the Chinese yuan and the ruble. Huh. So the, the digital currency that you're speaking of is itself an international currency already, but not a broad international currency. Mm -hmm. Now, the ASEAN countries, the countries of Southeast Asia, are now in discussions on whether or not to join that um, alternate method of, of payments. Remember, at the beginning of the Ukraine war, one of the first things that the Biden administration did was freeze Russia out from the SWIFT system. The SWIFT is the international right. system I remember that. which supported the American dollar by forcing everyone to trade in dollars. So the Russians said, okay, you don't want to have a SWIFT, we'll create an alternative to SWIFT. So that's what they're doing. They're now, they've now added to that, first it began with Russia and China. India is now a close observer of that. The ASEAN countries are now debating joining that. And now Belt and Road participants and OPEC are also coming together on that. All right. So that what does that mean? 90% of the world population. What does that mean to the average Westerner? Well, it means that what I said before, if you're still looking at the banks to, 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 uh, to uh, 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 guard your back, then you're foolish. Banks that are dependent upon the dollar, um, Western banks like, I don't know, I don't want to name names because maybe that's not, not, not a nice thing to do, but major Western banks today, as I said before, are undercapitalized and overleveraged. And if they're dependent upon the dollar and you're dependent upon them, you are not safe. You need to give serious thought to how you make yourself secure for the long term. Remember, I'm not talking about trading. I'm talking about investing. I'm talking about guarding the values of your investments on a multi-generation basis. Not today and tomorrow. Minimum uh, uh, time frame that you need to be looking at for the, for the things that I'm discussing are, are, are three to five years. That's a minimum. As the Fed prints more dollars, and these dollars are in less and less demand, the value of the U.S. economy, both absolutely and relatively, grows less. Again, this is basic arithmetic. You don't need to be an economist to understand this. In other words, if, you're own, if you own, own 
if you're an American and you own assets in America, and again, I'm not saying anything against that, of course, those assets are losing value against other currencies, against other countries. How do you balance that? How do you ensure that you're not losing value? That your children and grandchildren will be able to inherit basically what, what you intend for them to, to inherit. All of this will drive massive inflation. And every analyst that I've looked at, all of them are talking about inflation now being uh, 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 something that we need to look at for at minimum of a decade. And there are now rumors that the coming um, meeting of the Fed will raise interest rates by maybe as much as one percentage point. Remember, even if they raise it by one percentage point, they're still retarded by 5%. That means they're still, if you're holding assets like that, even if they raise the, the, the interest by an, an, a full percent, inflation is still 5% more than, than, the, than, that, than that rate. So you're still losing value every day. And more and more countries are de-dollarizing. And by the way, Israel is part of them. Israel has also uh, 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 spread its reserves to include a basket of currencies and not just dollars. The, the Bank of Israel is being very uh, uh, conservative and, and very uh, responsible. And they are looking at how to look at how on how, how to reevaluate these things um, uh, uh, on a constant basis. And I'm certain that almost every every other country in the world that has reserves um, is doing the same. So, Rick, sorry. I, I so I want to ask you, how does all this tie in? If in the beginning of the show we're saying uh, we're we're quoting uh, Nikita Khrushchev saying, "Your children's children will live under communism, and you Americans are so gullible. You won't accept communism outright, but we'll." Be, keep feeding it to you in small doses until you wake up in it. And then you're saying that the, you know, how to manage, you know, how people should uh, consider managing their money. And then we're going to a possible cashless society. How does all of that tie in? I didn't say cashless society. I did not say that. Do you not think that there's a trend that we're going to cashless society? It's an easy way I to control people. Countries like that, that consider themselves more sophisticated are going to try to do that. I don't believe they'll succeed, but I, I think they will try. You, you, uh, you don't think they'll succeed? That, that can be totally controlled. Why don't you think that they'll succeed? Because I think humanity is a little more intel intelligent than that. So you have faith in humanity? Well, I have faith that... that <laughs> the, the end, I, at, I don't know how much I have. At the end of the day, they, 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 these people that believe that they have control over everybody don't really have that level of control. Well, we have to remember that we, the little people, have the ruby red slippers, right? <laughs> don't tell me you don't know what I'm talking about now. I'm sorry. Uh, oh, I'm no. <laughs> you never saw The Wizard of Oz? Oh, yes. Uh, like uh, okay. many, so many decades ago. We've got the ruby red slippers. All we need to do is use them. Okay, oh. we'll pass that. Okay, sorry. <laughs> that's that's not that's not the way things work with me. Okay. okay. So um, I, 
Again, how do you tie all this in? How is this going to work? Okay, let me give a few more facts before I come, come to the tying in at the end. Here, okay. okay? Uh, um, uh, 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 today, the ratio, there's a ratio between, there always is a ratio, between uh, the price of gold and the price of silver. The ratio today is 94 to 1. That is unprecedented in human history. Remember, silver, even more than gold, aside from being a, a precious metal, is also a very valuable industrial metal. Um, so the ratio between gold, silver, and, of silver to gold is usually hovering around 10 to 15 to 1. It's now 94 to 1. That's totally ridiculous pricing. But both gold and silver are ridiculously priced today, and we know that. So personally, I'm accruing. I'm buying both gold and silver now, and I have been for quite some time. And we've talked about this in the past. So uh, what I will say, and again, this is strictly my opinion, personal opinion. If you can print it, I'm not interested. So I'm not buying fiat money, stocks of gold or silver. Uh -huh. I'm not buying, uh, 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 what do you call it, uh, um, 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 uh, various kinds of securities in gold and silver. I'm buying metal. Okay. So that's what that's what I I'm doing. Anyone who wants to think about that can think about it. Anyone who wants to disagree with me is welcome to disagree. I'm giving my my opinion, my view of how things look. Um, when is that ratio going to change? I have no way of predicting it. I have no idea, but I'm I'm absolutely certain that it must change. As I said, it is unprecedented in human history for that kind of that kind of uh, uh, relationship. Uh, U.S. population trends. In 2021, population growth in the U.S. fell to the lowest level in 120 years. The cohort of 25 to 64-year-old persons is trending to shrinkage over the coming decade. Originally, immigration was supposed to ameliorate this. It hasn't worked. It hasn't worked because of several factors. One of them is that these, most of these immigrants are neither acculturated nor educated to the same level as the average Americans. And the second reason is because there is a, a, a massive gender imbalance to the immigrants. So if uh, uh, there's a, a gender imbalance, I don't know the exact numbers, but it's, it's something like eight to one uh, uh, males to females that does not fix population shrinkage. That exacerbates population shrinkage. That exacerbates the problem. In the UA, the Ukraine war has already cost the EU population more than $2 trillion. That's the T. Already. And this is only the beginning. Uh, quote, another quotation that I'll use today, uh, uh, a gentleman, uh, uh, a very well-known investor who's been very successful in his life by the name of Bubba Horowitz. Russia has never been stronger financially than they are today. Than really? they are now. Huh. So war never. is paying off for them. Yes. And basically, the, the, uh, I'll express it in, in, in really horrible language, if you'll pardon me. The peasants are financing the rich people. 
Meaning? They are literally stealing from the poorest people and giving it to the people who are richest. And that's not, and that is, that has precedent. Remember that Europe's woes are not just natural gas. They have a massive drought, as you mentioned. Their water shortage is not just in terms of the rivers, but even in terms of the, of the aquifers. In other words, it's not clear if by the end of this winter, unless it's a very wet winter, it's not clear if the Europeans will have water to drink. There are massive food shortages in Europe today, now. I will claim that the biggest question on the world stage today is whether Biden will complete his term. Not whether he'll run in 2024. I don't, I don't think anybody really believes that he will. Whether he will actually complete his term. And again, I'll quote from Bubba Horowitz, uh, a gentleman that I admire. Um, his statement today, uh, this is an honest uh, attempt to destroy the middle class. This is the things that you, tomorrow that you are referring to, when you're talking about things like the digital, digital currency and things like that. These are the mechanisms that you're talking about. The actual objective is not digital currency. The objective, the objective is erasure of the middle class around the world. I think it's. I think it could be brought out wider, and it's eraser. It's it's an erasure of anybody that they deem a threat. Because yeah, they but aren't a threat, so we're saying the same thing. You're right. Yes, I agree. But uh, that that's not the point. The point is how how is how do you control the little people? How do you control the peasantry? And there have been many uh, uh, ways of doing it. So that that means the objective is actually socialism. And as soon as I said the objective is socialism, we're back to the Khrushchev statement. Mm-hmm. And they want socialism. Explain to our listeners why. Socialism, you know, everybody thinks that socialism means that everybody will be equal. That's not the way it works. It has never worked that way anywhere for, for anybody. Socialism is how the oligarchs take control of all resources. As the... As the the ungentleman said, you will own nothing and you will be happy. And I will add to that, because if you're not happy, I'm going to step on you. I think it's hard for a lot of us to go there because we wouldn't do things like that. And when we can't conceive of ourselves doing something, we, we don't conceive of other people actually having that desire of wanting to do something like, you know, there could be serial killers and I can't imagine being a serial killer. So how can I imagine someone else? But there are, and we wake up sometimes too late. Actually, actually brilliant. Um, As you may know, for many years, uh, I was the sort of unofficial representative of uh, a large American Indian tribe to the government of Israel, of course, it was not accepted, but uh, so I wasn't, I didn't actually do anything, but I was there in terms of they, is their way of looking at things, I was their representative. And one of the things that I learned from that is one of the reasons, perhaps in terms, in their terms, their claim, the main reason why the Indians, quote unquote, I hate that word, um, uh, 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 lost to the, to the white invaders was because they couldn't imagine the level of brutality. It was unimaginable to them. 
Hmm. No, no Native American tribe would go to another Native American tribe and intentionally kill all of the women and children. Well, we have to be wise enough to understand that not everybody thinks like us and be prepared for it. Thank you very much, Dr. Mordechai Ben-Menachem, and thank you all for listening. Where can you get the inside news on Israel? At Israel News Talk Radio, we're dedicated to sharing Israel's inside story with the world by providing our listeners with news on Israeli politics, current affairs, and Israeli Jewish culture. The Israel News Talk Radio homepage also provides you, the listener, with useful information at your fingertips with scrolling news headlines, weather, currency exchange, Shabbat candle lighting times, and so much more. Our radio programming is always accessible and on demand. We operate absolutely free of charge for everyone, everywhere. If you love what we do, partner with us now by becoming an Israel News Talk Radio supporter. With your support, you'll be inscribed on our Israel News Talk Radio Wall of Fame. There's nothing like us in the world. Be part of something great. Israel News Talk Radio. Straight talk from Israel. Howdy, this is Rita from League City, Texas, now living in Israel. And though my heart may have belonged to Texas, it now belongs to Israel and all the fantastic show hosts at Israel News Talk Radio. Hi, this is Michael Solomon from Kiryat Darba, Israel. And why do I love listening to Israel News Talk Radio? Because I love listening to the interesting interviews they do and their news reporting that most other media sources don't cover. Hey, this is Nicole Eko from Malmo, Sweden. It gets pretty cold here in Sweden, so I love cuddling up with a warm cup of tea while I listen to Israel News Talk Radio. Hey, everybody, this is Frank Garst from Tennessee. Me and my dog Buster really love listening to Israel News Talk Radio. <laughs> You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. opinion and more you're listening to israel news talk radio 